Sasha. Hey, Courtney. How many ears does Daniel Boone have? I would assume two, but... No, he's got three. I... What? How? So he's got a left ear. Uh-huh. A right ear. Uh-huh. And a front ear. Oh, God. It's spirit <laughs> power. Paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Spoop Hour. Paranormal comedy <laughs> podcast hosted by <laughs> we're, we're recording we're, together today. <laughs> we're Pete and repeating on the couch. Pete and repeat. They're, they were in a boat. Pete fell out. Who was left? Pete. No. Repeat. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> no. I completely missed the point of the joke. We're doing great, guys. We're doing great. We got blizzards. We did. And as we announced last week, we are getting ready to start our Patreon. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be soon. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put a timeline on it because I don't want to commit to a timeline, but it will be happening. And in the event that you back our Patreon, your money will go towards buying us blizzards and cake pops, mostly. <laughs> and then, like, keeping us in stickers and shit. Mm-hmm. And trying stuff and buying things. Mostly because we have to order the stickers so we can send you free stickers. Yes! How, how do we get free stickers? Why? Pay, we pay for them. <laughs> and then we send them to you. <laughs> so, yeah, keep an eye out for that. That's coming. We have a plan for a thing we need to do. So we're going to do a thing and we'll tell you about it. And then we, Courtney just created a new t-shirt design. Yes. So So we'll pop that up. Mm -hmm. We're working on getting fat cryptids up and running on our t-shirt store as well. Things are happening. Speaking of things happening, did anything spooky happen to you? Today I was unpacking a bunch of boxes and (laughs) encountered... Two large spiders. Yay! <laughs> Which isn't spooky for me, but I needed to tell you. And then I thought about that tweet that Dr. Elisa <sighs> Lucas retweeted that was like, there's always a spider within six feet of you, and then I tagged you in it. Yeah, she tagged, <laughs> don't tell at Cupcake Owl 10. And I'm like, why do you always tag me in things you don't want me to see? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so then I then, murdered Sasha, and so now this is her ghost. Yeah. And then just, like, general, like, terrible nightmares. Mm. Just just terrible, terrible nightmares all week. And I, I chalk it up to being stressed about everything yeah. right now. Today I had I had a good cry because oh. all of my to-do lists, my school to-do list, my home to-do list, my yard to-do list, my general other things that, like, are coming down the line, and, like, I have to have some, like, foresight for, mm-hmm. and, like, advanced planning for, are... Yeah, and then I hung out with my parents last night, and I love my parents dearly, but, yeah, everyone's just stressing me out. I don't think they mean to stress me out, it's just, like, I'm already very stressed Mm -hmm. out, and so even just the slightest, like, hey, could you do X, Y, Z, and I just, like, cry, (laughs) because I'm like, I don't... So now's a bad time to ask you to solve the murder in my most recent gripping nightmare? Please. Okay. Well, because the good news is, in the dream, I solved it. It was Jack's friend poisoning my co-workers and also his own father. What the fuck? Yeah. And this is the second time I have had a murder-related dream with this friend of Jack's. Yeah. And Jack's like... Why do you think that he's a murderer? And I'm like, I don't know. Have you yeah. asked him if he is one? Oh, jeez. So if one of his friends turns out to be a murderer, 
I know which one it's going to be. Yeah. A nice, not spooky thing, but just a nice thing in our life right now is that we both have matching hair color. We do. Yeah, we both have rose gold hair. Yes. Yours is a little more vivid than mine because we've discovered with my hair, I can't do vivid pink because it stays vivid pink for like three months. Your hair, as our hairdresser friend put it, your hair really likes to drink it up. It (laughs) loves it. It's like, ooh, fierce pink. I love it. Whereas for me, like, since I got it, I got it done and the color stayed for a while and then now I've been using Overtone Mm -hmm. and there's like a weekly really, like, like potent one and then there's a daily one Mm. and so once a week I do the potent one and so that's why my hair is this color right now yeah but then like by Friday it becomes your hair color yes and whereas my hair color is probably going to stay this color for like two weeks Mm -hmm. plus some before I have to start putting color in it because it really loves being pink yeah but that that toner that she has is really good that rose gold toner yeah just by itself it looks so good yeah I'm all about it all about it so spooky thing that happened to me you yeah so, right here on my leg, you see that series of bruises? Yes. Well, it, when they first appeared... It wasn't the llama again, right? You didn't drive all the way back down to Asheville to get chomped on by the llama. We'll get into the llama story, because <laughs> I only hinted at it in our Instagram announcement of we're taking a week off, but I'll give you the deets on that fucking give llama. Give you the deets. Give deets, you the deets. dirty llama deets. But anyway, when this bruise first appeared, it was three bruises, and it looked like someone had grabbed my leg. No. And I don't know why it looked like that. I have no explanation, but I was getting into bed and I was like, well, what the fuck is this about? So I have a ghost grabbing my leg. Um, Yeah, I was trying to think of anything to help you, like, ease your mind, and I can't. No. The best I can come up with is, like, well, maybe when I was at the gym, I, like, wrangled myself into something wrong, but I don't know what would be on that leg. Like, if it were on this leg, maybe, because that's, like sliding into stuff but mm-hmm. like it's on the inside of my one I don't know yeah something's grabbing me mm-mm. it's fine and then this is not the only weird bruise I've gotten recently I went to a wedding at this point it was about three weeks ago and it was on a farm and I had been having a day leading up to it you know you have those days where it's just like this isn't my day mm-hmm. that wasn't my day so I was already in kind of like a mood where I'm like I'm just gonna push through it because I'm happy for these people and I want to celebrate them but also I'm kind of like over everything and I just want to like go to bed and be sad for a little bit and we get to the farm we literally I park the car and there he is the cutest llama his name is chocolate chip because he looks like a chocolate chip cookie because he's got little polka dots and oh how sweet and we get out of the car and chocolate chip makes a beeline towards me in his pen and I think oh how sweet this llama wants to be my friend. What could be better than this? And then that motherfucker, out of nowhere, bit me real hard on my arm. The bruise has finally cleared up. It took about 10 days. It broke the skin, and I was already having such a terrible day, and I was just like, well. So I like put my head down for a second, cried a little bit, and then I was like, and I'm back. Let's do this. <laughs> so now we are waiting for... This coming Saturday's full moon. So mm-hmm. this coming Friday is a Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. That's something spooky. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday is the next full moon, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll be a were-llama now, because Chocolate Chip bit me, and he did break the skin. It's just so funny. <laughs> like, I, I've been out to a, like, all-in-one general store in, like, central Virginia that has a petting zoo mm-hmm. with it. It's kind of near... It's a little bef- bit before Charlottesville on 29. Mm-hmm. But... I always found that the llamas are, like, kind of creepy because they have... <laughs> Good. Don't trust the, them. They're D-bags. I don't know. They just have, like, weird eyes and, like, weird faces. But the alpacas are, like, so much better. So yeah. when you're like, yeah, a llama beeline towards me, I would have been like... Nope. No. Well, <laughs> because I just... I'm also... 
unsettled by large animals as well. <laughs> we went to a friend's wedding on the groom's family's farm, mm -hmm. and it took me a little bit to warm up to their horse and their two Highland cows, even though Highland cows are my favorite cool cows. Beasties. They are the, the Highland coos. They are the best in the entire world, but even then, like, getting up next to one, I'm like, mm. oh, you're very big. And this is coming from someone who had a cow farm. Like, my family yeah. had a cow farm. I spent a lot of time around cows until about age 16, and I'm still scared of large animals, even llamas. <laughs> is it bad that you saying that made old McDonald's go into my head? <laughs> I was like, old Sasha had a farm. Anyway, I have a healthy distrust of horses. We've been over yes, this. I think yep. they are too big. Yep. Other okay. animals that are bigger than them are not too big, just horses that are too big. I did eventually come around to our friend's horse because they dressed it up as a unicorn and That's it was very cute. cute, but it did chomp me a little bit, mm. which then I was like, oh, this is why I usually don't hand feed horses carrots and apples. And that was the other thing. This llama, this D-bag, <laughs> left everybody else alone. Like, children were feeding it fistfuls of grass. Nothing. Fine. Get, could not have cared less. And people were posing for it, selfies with it, and like putting their face next to his. Nothing. Fine. Yeah. Mama's just hunky-dory. It's giving out kisses left and right. It's like, hello, friends. Yes, you can pet me. But anytime I went even kind of close to the fence, motherfucker came right back towards me and tried to get back in on my flesh. So he can eat a bag of dicks. Don't trust him. Don't trust any uh, don't, llama. Don't trust no llama. Don't trust no llama, but especially chocolate chip. He is a D-bag. He cannot be trusted. I did make a friend because of it, though. Yes, you did. Because I did. And it was really funny because, like, someone else who was totally unrelated mm -hmm. to either of our friend groups who I met through Tumblr, like, eight years ago, mm -hmm. retweeted this tweet by someone else who was at the wedding and was like, this is chocolate chip. He gave me a kiss. And then this I was like... the best day. Courtney, is this the same llama that... And then I was like, motherfucker. And then but now you're friends with them. I know. Yeah, I was I was talking to them to try and figure out, like, did I meet you? Because I met a lot of people, and my icebreaker was the llama bit me. Because, again, I was in kind of a mood, so I was just like, who wants to hear about my day? Because this fucking llama bit me. And apparently they had brought a friend with them to the wedding, and I had shown their friend my llama bite. So that was fine. <laughs> But I did meet them towards the end of the night. So anyway, now we're friends. So if you're listening, hello, you lucky duck that the llama likes you because he hates me and <laughs> I don't know what I did. So. I was, oh, I want to give a special shout out, though, to our friend who is hooking us up with the stickers. Yes. Because, one, she's awesome. She's the real MVP. Two, she told me that our podcast has been, like, making her laugh cry, like, uncontrollably lately. <laughs> and I just want to tell her, like publicly that I love her and she is the best. Ever. Really? Truly? Yeah. Yeah. I've been friends with her since ninth grade, oh, like yeah. the end of ninth grade. We really hit it off 10th grade. Yeah. So it's been a very long time. Yeah. And she's just thinking about her makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Aww. And she's helping us out with the stickers, which is really helpful. Thank yeah. you, friend. Thank you, friend. And I will say this friend that I made, I should thank Chocolate Chip the Llama because this friend turned out to be they're really cool, and they binged our podcast. Yeah. They got through all of 2017. I think they work from home. Mm -hmm. And they tweeted about, like, shout out to Spoop Hour, because they have been helping me through as I work from home. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been keeping me laughing. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just, it makes me, I got that <laughs> so, notification, and I was like, I think I was at work, and I was having a particularly tough week at school. <laughs> all of week two of school. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh. 
this is some, yeah, something I'm, I'm doing is valuable to someone. Right? I'm at, we are three weeks out from our biggest conference, which is, fun fact, bigger than it has ever been. Yeah. <laughs> and it's earlier than it's ever and been. And it's earlier than it's ever been. So, <laughs> it's fine. I stayed late a bunch last week. But <laughs> basically seeing that, I was like, oh, yeah. Thank you. So thank you to everybody who's been listening to Spoop Hour and validating us on Twitter. Yeah, and it also, means a yeah, lot. <laughs> thank you for helping us make it to two years. Now we're yeah. two years and one episode. Yeah, we yeah. are officially podcast old ladies. Yes. We are positively like geriatric in the podcast community because I feel like most podcasts don't make it to the two year mark, mm. particularly indie podcasts. And we fucking did it. Kablam! I just kicked. Yes. That was an air kick you heard. That was the air Kablam. Kablam. Kablam! All right. Well, what are we talking about today? Nothing. Nothing. We're done. Good. Goodbye. End of podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about tall tales and spooky Americana. So, basically, we thought of this. We've been iffy on America for a while, but tall tales always make me think of my grandpa. Yeah. Because even though he passed away when I was two, so I never really knew him, but like tall tales always make me think of him because he was big on the like the Paul Bunyans Mm -hmm. and the like ancient Native American folk tale and like all of that. So tall tales I have have a little soft spot in my heart for. Yeah, I really liked reading tall tales just because I think they were pretty readily accessible like when I was little Mm -hmm. that... You know, my relatives would send me books and stuff, and I would get, from one side of the family, like, Japanese, you know, old stories, right? And then, like, from my American relatives, like, American folklore. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I do think really fondly about them. And also, there are, like, a lot of really good animated shorts and stuff. Mm -hmm. In the past, like, I've had to teach, I've, I've taught... Native American folklore, that used to be part of the 11 curriculum. Um, it's not that it's not now, but it's just, I can, like, share, like, one short story right. paired with another text because there's so many other hoops to jump through now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, and then also, like, looking at American Gothic mm-hmm. or Southern Gothic story- authors and, like, getting to teach, you know, Edgar Allan Poe or, right. you know, like, Ed, uh, Ichabod Crane. You right, know? And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I, I just think... We have our own flavor of spoop, and it usually goes with the fall season. Yeah, and, and so it's fall. I just have like fun, fond memories about yeah. that. So, what is a tall tale? I I like to think of it as like it's like a quintessentially American thing because yeah. even though according to Wikipedia other cultures have tall tales, mm-hmm. I feel like if you're talking about a tall tale, for the most part, it is an American folktale. Mm-hmm. So the gist of it is it's any kind of like urban legend that has a grain of truth to it that's been blown to out of this world proportions. So you take like a little bit of this lore here and then you make it about a man who was 10 feet tall and could, you know, punch cows in the face and like ate bears for breakfast. Is Rumpelstiltskin a tall tale? I don't know. I feel like Rumpelstiltskin, isn't he technically oh, a fairy tale? Oh, wait. No, not Rumpelstiltskin. What's the one where the guy falls asleep on the hill? Oh, shit. Uh, which one out of my head? Uh, did I, Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> yeah, I would say Rip Van Winkle okay. is a tall tale. <laughs> God damn it. This is, our, this is our hobby, Sasha. We should know these things. I, We've been I doing know. it for two years. Rip, Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Us. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, but so, I was trying to think of what the shred of truth would be in that one. I mean, I imagine, because there was the sleeping sickness yeah, back in the day, yeah. so people would just 
fall asleep and stay asleep for a long time. And yeah. realistically, they were probably in a coma, but they called it sleeping sickness. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine in that it's like, well, what if someone fell asleep, sleeping sickness, and then woke up a hundred years, years later? later. Yeah. Okay. And then trying to like ascertain because everything feels weird, but you're in the right place. Yeah. And it's like, let's go. Okay, there. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So for me, the first tall tale that like, I thought of when I put tall tales on our schedule of things to talk about was Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Because he is like the classic, the OG. And Babe, right? And Babe the Blue Ox, yes. So Paul Bunyan is basically a cranked up version of a lumberjack. So in terms of this tall tale, pretty classic. You take a regular lumberjack and then you make him really tall and really wide and really strong (laughs) and able to like chomp through trees and you get Paul Bunyan. So, as English, as learningenglish.voanews.com explains, and this site was great, if anyone is trying to learn English, it defined a lot of words that are, like, mm-hmm. not used frequently. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, wooded, an area in which there are many trees. And I was like, oh, that's oh. a good resource for yeah. learning English. So shout out to learningenglish.voanews, whatever. So Bunyan was known for being a strong, swift, and skilled lumberjack. According to the legend, he cleared the forest from the northeastern U.S. to the Pacific Ocean, making him a hero in olden times and, as I put in my notes, a forest-murdering asshole in modern times. (laughs) (laughs) We love our trees nowadays. Yes. But back in the day, the fact that he cleared all the trees out from the northeast all the way to the northwest was a pretty, like, woohoo! That's a lot. That's a lot. He Mm. did a great thing, but now we're kind of like, oh, we could have had trees there. So Bunyan most likely originated as a tale by lumberjacks for lumberjacks because you figure, you know, they're clearing trees from the northeast to the northwest. They're spending a lot of days on the road with just them and their crew and they're doing a repetitive task, in this case, cutting down trees. So, you know, at night around the campfire or even while they were cutting down trees, they'd share stories. Mm -hmm. And so this was kind of like a, oh, did you hear the one about Paul Bunyan and the log jam? Well, Mm -hmm. he saw the log jam and then he drank the river. Which is genuinely, like, a thing that happened. There's one with a reverse dog. (laughs) I'll tell it. I didn't put it in my notes, but, like, how could I not? Because I was like, this is weird. I can't talk about this. But now I'm like, how can I not? How can you not? How can I not? And as per usual, per Wikipedia, give them money. Bunyan may be an example of what they call fake lore. Ah. (laughs) Which I really enjoy as a term. Hashtag fake lore. Hashtag fake lore. So one scholar who coined the term posits that some newer stories have been passed off as olden folk tales to lend them authenticity and to make uh, it seem like, oh, this is vintage Americana. Because, like, the Paul Bunyan tales were published in, like, the 1920s, 1930s. Oh, interesting. So it's possible that it could be from a time when people were nostalgic for a bygone era. So they're uh, like, this isn't like those other stories of lumberjacks. This one is the what the lumberjacks tell themselves. Yeah. Thus making it fake lore, where right. it's like, well, he was a big deal in the 1860s, when it's like, no, probably not. Who knows? Bunyan could have also been based on an actual real dude. He could have been French-Canadian lumberjack Fabien Fournier, who was alive between 1845 and 1875, and he was a lumberjack who was apparently very good at mm-hmm. jacking lumber. You know, like As you, you do. do. <laughs> or he could have been, and this is my favorite, he could have been an unverified French-Canadian soldier named oh. Paul Bonjean. Bonjean. And then we Americanized Bonjean to be Bunyan. Bunyan. <laughs> Paul Bonjean became Paul Bunyan. Because, you know, that's what we do. He may have started as a Michigander. Oh. Like certain people on like this certain couch. certain people on this podcast. 
Or he could have been a Minnesotan, or he could have been a Wisconsinite, or whatever we call people from Maine. Mainers? Yeah. Mainers. Mainers. Sure, sure. He might have been born in Maine. We don't know. Like, basically, Paul Bunyan has been around just long enough that it's like 8,000 people have 8,000 origins of him. Like, yeah. there's a place in Maine that's like, this is the birthplace of Paul Bunyan. There's a place in Minnesota where they actually have... A big Paul Bunyan and a big Babe the Blue Ox. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, think I've it's, seen it. I think it's, it's Bemidji. Bemidji, yeah. yeah. So they're like, no, he was born here. So, like, people fight over it. We don't know. It's a story, folks. <laughs> I mean... Paul Bonjean is obviously from French Canada. <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. Je m'appelle Paul Bonjean. Je suis Québécois. <laughs> makes me want to watch Letter Kenny because they're like towards the end of what's available right now because yeah. season seven's coming in October but oh, like yeah. season six has a lot of French Canadians nice. in it. Like, do do they have that. anyone named Paul Bonjean? No, they don't. Oh. But they do maybe have a lot of Jean Pauls and Jean Michel and Jean maybe, Jean Jean. Maybe in season seven they'll have a Paul Bonjean. Paul Bonjean. Paul Bonjean. Jean Bonjean. <laughs> Anyway, one tale With of- apologies to our <laughs> I'm so French sorry. Canadian. What is it? Je regrette these jokes. I'm so sorry. My apologies. <laughs> One tale of Paul Bourgeon's birth said that he was born in Maine, and he was so big that five birds had to bring him to his parents. And as I put in my notes, I'm guessing this means in a storky way and not in a he comes out the birth canal to five doula birds. Because <laughs> I was like, well, No, I think it's probably even- five storky boys. Yeah, like, because, you know, storks bring babies. So then I guess, you know, Paul Bunyan was such a chonkster that five birds had to bring him instead of the typical one. That way they don't have to explain why that woman did not die in childbirth. (laughs) She didn't explode from her bottom half. Jesus Lord. Oh, jeez. It's like that, the, the Judith, not Judith, Ruth? Dorothy. 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 We learned about on our, on our ghost, ghost tour, tour. Yeah. who had 20 children, and then she went no more and died. From what it sounds like, Paul Bonjean was the equivalent of 20 children coming out at once. <laughs> but it's okay, because five birds brought him, and not the normal baby method. <laughs> anyway, so most accounts place Paul Bunyan at being 8 feet tall and about 300 pounds. Okay. So a pretty, pretty hefty lumberjack fella. But I feel like still... Yeah, okay, eight feet tall, 300 pounds. Now I'm like, imagine he's a he's, little bit stretched he's out. Skin. He's, he's skinny. He's skinny. Yeah, okay. Because, like, like, Shaq is what, six, eight? Yeah. Or seven feet? I yeah. think Shaq is 300 pounds. Yeah. So he's a little so bit. So he's, you yeah. know, okay. he's just a thin dude, but we, he is portrayed as being burly. But I guess back in the day when people were smaller, you know, because, mm. like, on average, like, the average male at that time was, like, 5'4". Yeah. So eight, eight feet, feet tall, tall was like, oh, my God, I bet he weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> Whereas now we know, like, if you're seven feet tall and you're 300 pounds, it's kind of whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. They didn't, I don't think they actually weighed him, but that's Paul Bonjean. And his best friend is Babe the Blue Ox, who was literally a giant blue ox. One account I read paired them up with basically the giant Paul Bunyan found this big blue ox. And it was blue because it had been left out in the cold. And he's like, oh no, let ox, me warm you. Let me warm you with my giant body. And then the ox warmed up, but his his hair stayed blue. Aww. And then they were best friends forever. Although I did see an account that Babe the Blue Ox met his end because he liked flapjacks too much. And he ate 10 flapjacks and exploded. And it must have been like giant flapjacks. It had to have been. Because I'm like, I feel like I, if I had to, could eat 10 flapjacks. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't enjoy it. And no. probably after like four, I'd start to feel sick. Yeah. But I could do it. Yeah, I'd try. I'd yeah. make an honest 
college attempt. Yeah. Yeah. At that many flapjacks. I but that know. was too many for Babe the Blue Ox. Mm. But now that I say it out loud, I'm wondering if that was maybe someone's addition and not actually part of the yeah. folk tale. Also, I just remembered the Simpsons version of this. Tell me. It's just Homer as Paul Bunyan. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's just like an episode where they do Americana folklore. Yeah. And Homer is Paul Bunyan, and at some point he uses Marge as, like, a Q-tip, like, in his ear. <laughs> Classic. very strange. So, the tale of the backwards dog is, there are a couple dogs affiliated with Paul Bunyan, from what I could see, but this one particular one, I don't remember his name, let's call him Scout, that's a good dog name. So, Scout was... Being a lumberjack's dog, he spent a lot of time around people sawing things. Uh-huh. And at one point, there was an incident in which someone accidentally sawed through Scout, too. Ah. And Paul Bunyan was like, it's okay, I can fix this. So he stuck the dog back together, but he stuck him back together so that his hind legs were pointing up. So, like... I'm, oh, no! So it was like, these were his front dog feet and these were his oh, back no, dog feet. Sucks. And so they called him... A reversible... What was it? Oh, I have to find what they called him because it was upsetting. And also I was like, what am I reading? It's like those earrings that you stick in between your ears that have mm-hmm. like a... The, the, animal the thing is, in the back. Yeah, yeah, the animal is like cut in half and you can have like a whole animal. The dog's name was Sport. Sport. You weren't Sport. Far. And they called him the reversible dog. And there's a picture of Sport the reversible dog. so on, sad. This is on paulbunyontrail.com, which I can only imagine made it very difficult for poor Sport to use the bathroom. Also, I was not far off with Scout. I mean, but... I guess you just roll over. And, like, when and he then, needs to poop, yeah. he'd roll over. And then just poop. And then poop. And then, and then when he's ready to go back, he just well, drags his tail across the ground. <laughs> According to the legends, Sport, or Sport, I'm still, I don't know what his name is. His name is Sport. His name is Sport, you're right. I made up Scout. So, he would walk on his front legs, and then when he got tired, he'd flip over and then walk on his hind legs. And then I can't imagine either of those feeling good because he's dragging ass on one side and then he's dragging his face on the or the top of his head on the other side. According to paulbunyontrail.com, this didn't bother sport. What a good sport. Yep. He ran on his front legs until they were tired, then flopped over and ran on his hind legs. Sport was a good sport. He's a good sport. They don't make dogs like they used to. <laughs> Where you can sew them back together backwards and everything was fine. If I ever had a dog and something like that happened and a veterinarian was able to save my dog somehow and put its legs And that was the way they had to do it? I don't... I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> I think I would accept it because I'd be glad that I still had sport. I think I wouldn't understand how any of yeah, this came to I'd be. I'd be like... I'm sorry, I'm just confused. How was this the solution? But also, you were able to save my dog? Well, yeah, he was literally he cut was in half, half with an axe. There were a lot of stories where that goes very differently. Yes. Anyway, Paul Bunyan tales, in case you can't tell, they're usually about the man using his wits and absurd amount of lumberjacky lumberjack strength. Lumberjacky goodness. Yes, mm, lumberjacky goodness. To solve woodsy problems in frontier times. Okay. So it's like... Like, there is genuinely one about, like, a log jam where he's like, I'll just go in there and hit it. And, like, you know, all the men on the camp had to get fed. And so they just, like, strapped hams to Paul Bunyan's feet. And then he ice skated across what would become the stovetop. Because now the stovetop is greased so they can make a lot of food at once. Because he ice skated with hams on his feet. Why is that a more practical solution? I don't know. I just... (laughs) Well, see, now you've lost me completely because I don't... I can imagine what lumberjack feet are like, and oh, I don't want true. that on my ham. 
I don't think they ate the ham. I think they just, well, they that's must have. Good, that's, that's a waste that of ham. That would have been a waste of ham, and they wouldn't have wasted ham in Frontier <laughs> Times. You're right. They ate the ham. That's gross. I'm just really upset right now. <laughs> I'm just going through something with this ham, and I don't want to talk about Oh, boy. Shockingly, and I dug Shockingly. Because I thought, for goddamn sure, there's got to be a Paul Bunyan versus a ghost story, right? There isn't? No. There are no ghost stories. There's no ghost stories of Paul Bunyan showing up places. There are no ghost stories of Babe the Exploded Blue Ox showing up places. There are no stories of Sport coming back from the dead and kicking the ass of the guy who cut him in half. Nothing. No ghost in Paul Bunyan. I do wonder, though, if there's, like, adult fic about Paul Bunyan, though. Yes, and I'm sure that his babe, the sexy blue ox, is involved. Oh, no. I mean... Okay, no. Dial it back. <laughs> I mean, you started this. No, I'm I was finishing just thinking, what you started. No, just, I didn't say babe the blue ox, just Paul by himself. Oh, eight-foot lumberjack. He's gonna lumber your jack. Yikes. Jack your lumber. <laughs> jack your lumber. I'm really good at writing adult-themed fan fiction about lumberjacks. Good. Please do this. This is what I want for my birthday. <laughs> But I'm already getting you so many haunted dolls. That's true, that's true. There have been, like, no joke, four haunted dolls in our area for sale. That's amazing. That's what that joke is. And well, I just keep sending them to Sasha being like, how will I choose which one for your birthday? Annie's definitely not haunted. And I mean, she's we very don't know good. that. Well, I think she's fine. I mean... She's lived with me for most of my life. I think that doesn't mean she's <laughs> I mean, if she's haunted, she's a good haunting. No, oh, like, see, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I've never had anything bad happen. Yeah, so she needs a haunted doll friend. No, she doesn't. Anyway, so there's no Paul Bunyan <laughs> ghost stories. That so sucks. in my notes, I was like, I guess we just move on. Yeah, I guess we just move on. <laughs> so, so the next one I have is about John Henry, and this is courtesy of HowStuffWorks.com and eBiblio.org. And this is a hashtag iconic American folktale. Mm. I particularly like this one because it's not about a white dude. Yeah. Like, no offense to Paul Bonjean, but he was white as the driven snow, I am sure. Because he was French-Canadian. I really like, there was a Disney Oh yeah, the Disney shorts. The Disney Mm -hmm. short of Paul Bunyan. Oh, not Paul Bunyan. Uh, John Henry. Henry. (laughs) I'm in your head now. No, you're in my head now. Uh, Of John Henry. And then actually recently, I wish I could find it again. I don't know how to go about it. If someone has seen it and knows how to find it, that would be great. But someone created a a follow-up story where it was John Henry's daughter Mm. going against, like, whatever the next... Um, phase, of industrialization. phase of industrialization was, oh, that's and cool. and the guy was like, "Oh, you're just going to f- meet the same fate as your old man." And da 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 da. And her mom was like, "No, don't do it." And she's like, "No, I have to, you know, for the town, for the, mm-hmm. you know, for my people, for you know, my father's legacy." And it's this really cool, like, comic, like yeah. il- fully illustrated. And then she does win out in the end, and um, I think she like ends up owning. I think she, she makes the wager, like, for the company, mm-hmm. and then she ends up owning the company and, yes! like, kicking that guy, the evil... We love a boss bitch! Evil guy out of town. It was, like, just, just really nice. I, I haven't found it again, but maybe I'll be able to find it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll look for it, too. Yeah. It was really it was My really powers awesome. combined. That's yeah. awesome. It was really nice. So, who is John Henry? He's as- a steel-driving man. I literally, the next slide in my notes is, as Wikipedia explains, John Henry was a steel-driving man. <laughs> he was memorialized in a ballad and a folktale, mm-hmm. so you know it's serious fucking business because he gets a song and a tale, whoop, and whoop. he was worth it. Every single note. <laughs> so he was most likely, bo- one, he's most likely based on a real dude. We'll get into that in a minute. But two, he was most likely born in either the 1840s or the 1850s mm-hmm. in America, 
Which means one big thing, because John Henry was not white. So he was most likely born a slave in the Mm. 1840s or 1850s. So he rose to prominence when the railroads were starting to be a thing. So we're talking like post-Civil War America, where we're like, all right, we sorted our shit out. Not really, but we kind of did. So now let's build railroads going out west. And so like many former slaves who now had their freedom, John Henry was like, Gotta make a living, so he went to work for the railroads. Mm-hmm. He was a steel driver for the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad, or aka the CNO, and he spent his days driving steel spikes into rocks where they would eventually lay this track. Unfortunately, the times were a changing, and working class folks, primarily who were non white, like John Henry mm-hmm. himself, They were losing their jobs to new steam-powered machines that promised to do more work faster and without demanding things like food or water or breaks. Mm -hmm. So, of course, places like the CNO were like, totally, yeah, let's just get some robots in here to do this work. John Henry and his colleagues tried to ignore the rumblings that the CNO would eventually become automated. But as they approached West Virginia's Big Bend Mountain, the writing was on the wall. The CNO bigwigs insisted that instead of going around the mountain, which would waste valuable railroad track and add time, and they wanted to do it faster and be right. cooler, they were going to go through the mountain. Do you see the problem in this? That's difficult. There's a big fucking mountain in the there way. There is a giant mountain. So John Henry, being incredible, still worked diligently driving spike after spike into the unforgiving rock face. So this motherfucker was just like, all right, let's do this. So... Day in, day out, he's hammering stakes in. He's getting it done. But one day, a traveling salesman showed up, promising that his steam-powered drill could not only tackle the mountain, but do so faster than any human on the line. Hmm. But John Henry would not stand for it. To defend the jobs of his fellow workers, John Henry challenged the machine. Both the machine and Henry would try to drive through the mountain, and whoever made it further in the time would win. And so the contest began with the machine puff, puff, puffing away while John Henry drove stake after stake. When the contest ended, and from what I could tell, it only took about 35 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, which is very fast. Right. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. So the results are clear. The machine had made it nine feet into the mountain, and John Henry had only gone seven feet. But John Henry was wielding two hammers, meaning that he had cleared a total of 14 feet of mountain face in the same time it took the machine to clear nine. So he was the definitive winner. He dominated the mountain with his double hammers. John Henry won. John Henry. Woo! Sadly, the victory would cost him his life, and he would later collapse and die, most likely due to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. There are other versions of this tall tale where Henry dies in a rock slide at the mountain, or just, you know, succumbs in general to general mountain disease, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like he got a fever and died. John Henry was probably a real person, as I mentioned before, but he most likely died due to dust inhalation over the course of his career as a railroad worker. Mm -hmm. Because if there's one thing we know about the 1800s, it's that we didn't put in a lot of, like, safety precautions. Like, if we'll recall, the canary in the coal mine. Yep. That was mostly for, like, making sure that you didn't explode the mine and it was less about not killing people in the mine. inhaling the... The thing that was going to kill the canary. (laughs) So, anyway. John Henry was a railroad worker for sure, but it's unclear if he was born and raised in Jamaica Mm -hmm. or if he was from Alabama or if he was from West Virginia most people seem to think that he was West Virginian in some way and that it does place the myth happening at Big Bend Mountain. Yeah. 
And the CNO Canal, like, literally when I went to Harper's Ferry, yeah. I, like, waddled around it. Oh. Like, the dried part. Interesting. Yeah. Because after his death, the legend of John Henry was not done. Ah. Unlike Paul Bunyan. Huh? Ghosts. Ghosts. By 1883, the tunnel in Big Bend was completed, so they had actually succeeded in tunneling through the mountain. Mm -hmm. So even though John was no longer alive, ultimately the thing that he was working on was accomplished. Mm -hmm. And with its completion, it got a brand new ghost. According to wvculture.org, you can hear John Henry's ghost still hammering away, even though construction has been completed. Hmm. They even had a difficult time finding people to finish the tunnel with brick because people were afraid that they would encounter the ghost of John Henry. So they were like, okay, we've got this dirt tunnel. Now let's seal it up with brick for safety's sake. And people were like, no, thank you. I'm good. I feel like he wouldn't be a malicious ghost. No. I feel like he'd be like, oh, you guys are continuing the project. Good for you. Yeah, I feel like he would be like, I am glad that my fellow workers still have jobs. Yeah. And like, by all accounts, to this day, people still are afraid to approach Big Ben Tunnel after dark because you can still hear John Henry's hammers echoing through it. Like, you'll hear distinctly, ting, 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 ting from his double hammers going. There's an episode of Mob Psycho 100 in which it takes place in a haunted tunnel. Oh! And... It's it's cute. I mm. mean, I know you don't watch a lot of anime no. at all, but there's like just one particular like train ghost anime, like episode mm-hmm. that I think stands alone pretty well. It's just it just makes me think of that. Yeah, I like John Henry. And, like, I think you're right. I don't think he's a malicious ghost. Mm-hmm. I think, and like there is most people are like it's not really John Henry's hammers. It's just water dripping in the tunnel from oh. like stalactites or yeah. something. But I think even if it were John Henry's ghost, he's not gonna fuck with you. Like, no, he challenged a fucking robot. For the good of his fellow worker. Yeah. That's incredible. If anything, he might even be a helpful ghost. Yeah. He's going to be like, hey, I hear you're exploiting some workers. How about you don't do that? Double hammer, double hammer. Ah, they shouldn't be scared to go in there because they can, like, tell John Henry's ghost their grievances and then John Henry's ghost can go (gasps) fuck up their boss. He's he's like a paranormal union. (gasps) He's like, these are the demands of your workers. Might I point you to my two ghostly hammers? (laughs) What do we feel about a 40-hour work week? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact, the labor movement in this country was mostly John Henry's ghost smashing shit with his ghostly hammers. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That would be so good. (laughs) And that's how we got weekends. That's the ballad of John Henry. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a cool story. If you can find the Disney short, for sure watch that because it is very good mm-hmm. and then also I'm going to look for the one about his daughter because yeah. that's nice and I would watch that movie yeah Great Dismal Swamp yep Great Dismal Swamp Great All right. Dismal Swamp so a little background on the Great Dismal Swamp it is a marshy wetland that goes sexy from Norfolk which is in Virginia <laughs> on the Elizabeth River and yep. it's like part of the southeastern Virginia coastal plain and then it goes into northeastern North Carolina mm-hmm. so it's basically great and dismal great and dismal Schwampy. It's basically a mini version of the Bermuda Triangle on the mm. level of other states' mystery triangles, like the Countersport Triangle, which is linked to the Black Forest in Pennsylvania, or the Bridgewater Triangle aligned with the Hockamock Swamp in Massachusetts, which I think we've we have talked, talked about. We have talked about the Bridgewater yep. Triangle, yeah. And there's reports of ancient mysteries in the Great Dismal Swamp, sometimes sightings of giant snakes and Bigfoot. <laughs> um, because <laughs> Bigfoot... Well, according to Weird Virginia, there have been Bigfoot sightings in Virginia, mm. so, you know... I think we've talked about Bigfoot before on this, haven't we? In general, in yes, general, but yeah. not specifically not in Virginia. Virginia. But that made me think of, thank you to those of you who have been taking our cryptid quiz on BuzzFeed, and especially thank you to those of you who have been taking it and then telling us your results. Yes. Love Nessies. I was going to say, like I'm as, part it, of a good community. as it turns out, like the majority of our listeners 
are Loch Ness monsters. So we just have an army of Nessies, and I love I it. I love it. I am I, their leader. I think it was uh, Haunted Happenstance who was tweeting at us about being Nessie, and they were like, hey, what if we call it a mess of Nessies? And I was like, seconding. Yes. Done. Mess of Nessies. So far, it. there has only been one other Mothman besides me, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, a Mothman! And I got really excited. And then we've had a couple Jersey Devils. Oh, awesome. Like Augie and Dr. Elisa Lucas. Yes. So Augie of the short stories of Augie Peterson and Dr. Elisa Lucas of Best Forevers and Fatalities are both Jersey Devils. And I, I was like, it. oh, precious. Precious. I love that. It makes me happy. So we just got to add Bigfoot to our next clue. And I think, I think Allison of Not Your Little Lady, I think she is also a Jersey Devil. Okay. Has anyone been a troopie? Yes. Shoot. It was one of the guys from BSP. I think it was Chris. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say it was Chris of the Believer Skeptic podcast has been the Chupacabra. And then my Jack, my boyfriend Jack, got Momo the fart monster. Yes, he did. <laughs> and I didn't even guide him to it. He took that quiz. into. I was like, take this quiz. You have to. I, and he got Momo. I need to give my Jack that quiz. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could just tell you right now that this morning he was being Momo the fart monster. Oh, man. Weren't we all? And I, I blame it on... Yesterday for lunch, we had curry mm. for, like, the sixth day in a row because I ba- made a lot of curry on Labor Day. Oops. And then he went and hung out with his friends, and they recreated basically all the burgers from Jack Brown, Whoops. which is, like, a really good burger joint that's it in is. Virginia and actually spread out to a couple of other states now as well. So if you've never had a Jack Brown's burger, try it someday. But they mm-hmm. made the Greg Brady in mm-hmm. particular with mac and cheese and barbecue potato chips, oh. which is the best... Jack Brown's burger, I think. Yeah. But they also made a bunch of others, and so I was just it like... also I gave think... him the Great Dismal Swamp in his pants. Yeah, he, he became the Great Dismal Swamp ass, and Momo the Fart Monster. <laughs> All in so one. I need to give him that quiz later. Yes, please do. But anyway, so... <laughs> anyway, keep taking that quiz and keep telling us who you are. We love it. So, the discoverer of the Great Dismal Swamp was lost in time. It was probably a Native American, mm. <laughs> because what? white people we did this kind of shit. But archaeological finds indicate that humans have been living around the Great Dismal swamp for about 13,000 years. Wow. So there, there's evidence of humans living within the swamp for 13,000 years. Yeah. At some point, William Drummond, who eventually mm-hmm. became the governor of North Carolina, was the first European to record uh, exploring the lake, which mm-hmm. was the highest point in the Great Dismal Swamp. Mm-hmm. And then he named the lake after him. So I have more info on that. Yeah. And So basically, there are a couple weird things about Lake Drummond, where it's one of only two natural lakes in Virginia, and then... We're swamp country here. We are. And it conceals some, like, strange mysteries, like, okay, how was this, like, oval lake created? Mm -hmm. Is it, like, a meteorite hit? Or maybe is there, like, an underground peat burn from, like, 6,000 years ago? Hmm. And then First Nation tribes have that were living locally said that Lake Drummond is the work of a firebird. Oh, nice! So there's just a lot of different things surrounding the Great Dismal Swamp. I think I've driven past it yeah. because I've gone to the Outer Banks and mm. you have to get go there to get yeah. to it. <laughs> but I've never like actively gone and sought it out. Yeah. I feel like I'd be very itchy. Yes. <laughs> I can just imagine. I can just hear the mosquitoes right now. I'm pretty sure I got a mosquito bite from reading about the Great Dismal Swamp. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So, so tell me more about this Great Dismal Swamp. Yes. Why is it spooky? Well, good news. It has a somewhat tall tail <gasps> associated with it. Sweet. Basically, so fun fact about the Great Dismal Swamp, George Washington was like, ew, gross. Let's drain it. And he tried to and failed. Just a fun fact. 
But somehow we succeeded at making DC a successful drink disgusting swamp. swamp land. It's just, just it's just a town on disgusting swamp. Yeah. And it is a disgusting swamp all the time. It's what it does best. However, they are cleaning it up. The you can go into the water now. Like they're actually they're, it's not 100% like they're not 100% recommending swimming yet, but they're at the point where they're like within <laughs> Maybe the next if you have an open wound. Basically, they're like within the next 5 years, we could actually probably pop up like little beaches. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now you can do paddle boarding and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're such a disgusting swamp. You're not supposed to swim in it. (laughs) But soon you will be. Soon. Soon. So the reason why the Lake Drummond is named Lake Drummond, so it's at the center of the Great Dismal Swamp. Mm. And Drummond named it after himself. Actually, I don't think he did name it after himself. It was just named for him because, so he's a 17th century governor of North Carolina, so Mm. like 1600s. And he and a hunting party went into the Great Dismal Swamp, and they didn't come out. No, I'm Everybody kidding. died except for him. Ah. So, yes, most people were oh, never heard from again. Fucking but yikes. But when he popped back out, he's like, you guys, there's a fucking lake in there, and now I'm alive. And they were like, cool, we're calling it Lake Drummond. And then everybody high-fived and had a beer. Is this, like, the Fountain of Youth? <laughs> well... That's interesting that you should bring it up. Oh, shit. Because Lake Drummond is known for its uniquely tea-colored waters, so it's brown water. Okay. But keep that in mind, because it oddly stays drinkable longer than any other fresh water from different sources in the area. Huh. So, in old colonial times, people would fill casks of water at Lake Drummond before they would go on long sea voyages, because that water would keep better than any other fresh water source. Uh-huh. Nobody knows why. It's just the gross brown water at Lake Drummond stays pure longer and doesn't, like, decay in the cask. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That's bananas. And that's not even the tall tale part. Oh, that's God. just, I was like, that's weird. So I don't know why it does. It's science. Just science. We don't know science. Anyway, Lake Drummond is also the site of a tragic love story, and that's where our tall tale begins. Oh, good. So in the brown tea-colored waters... In 1803, Irish poet Sir Thomas More wrote a ballad based on what he claimed were Native American myths, but I'm going to go ahead and call hashtag fake lore on that, because <laughs> I feel like that's just what people did in the early 1800s when they wanted people to like listen to their stories. Yeah. They were like, it's an ancient Native American story, and people were like, oh, okay. <laughs> this sounds distinctly like white people nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, according to the ballad... The young man at the heart of the tale was engaged to be married to the young lady of his dreams when, a mere weeks before their ceremony, she became sick and died. Uh Uh-oh. Unsurprisingly, the man became depressed and slowly sank into madness, roaming the land for his lost lover. He believed that the lady's family had turned against him and sent her away, and he had to find her, rescue her, and eventually he would be able to wed her as intended. Mm Mm-hmm. The young man wouldn't listen to friends and family because I'm assuming they took him aside and they were like, buddy, she died. A lot of people die nowadays. Have you seen everything? It's the worst. It's the worst. We just dropped dead. That's (laughs) what we do. When you said they were going to get married and then she died, I was like, this sounds like a lot of stories. This sounds like literally every story ever. But he, (laughs) like, told his friends and family, he's like, no, her family turned her against me and then they sent her off and now she's waiting for me to find her, which is... Very sad. That is very sad. Particularly because he became fixated on the Great Dismal Swamp. He was Mm. like, she's in there. I know she's in there. I'm going to find her and we're going to be together. He would go in night after night. He would roam and he would try to find his lost love. And he knew she is somewhere in here. Mm -hmm. So every single night... He's searching, he's searching. Because people did actually set huts Baba Yaga style on, like, stilts out of the water. So he's like, 
her family must have built one of those and stuck her in there. Baba Yaga style. Baba Yaga style. It's on chicken feet. It's fine. But one night he went into the swamp and did not return. For days, he was lost in the swamp and he wandered the harsh terrain, surviving on berries and roots that he found, which is risky in and of itself. Don't eat anything you find in a swamp. If you aren't familiar with swamps, it's going to kill you. The young man finally reached Lake Drummond and as evening fell, he saw something amazing. There was a light at the center of the lake. Hmm. Convinced that this was his young woman putting a lamp out for him so that he would see it, he hastily gathered sticks and vines and created a haphazard canoe. But if there is fast. Yeah, I, I put in my notes. If there's one thing you don't want in a canoe, it is haphazard construction. Sure enough, once he reached the center of the lake, the canoe started falling to pieces. Worse still, the light hadn't been his lost lady love at all. It was only a firefly doing its firefly thing. Oh, dang. The man sank to the depths of the lake and was never seen again. But according to the tall tale, he reunited with his lost love in death. Those who venture out to Lake Drummond today report seeing a spectral light at the heart of the lake, and they believe that they see the two ghosts paddling side by side in a white canoe, and they use a firefly to light their way. Hmm. I mean, cute ending. Cute ending. But... Rough getting there. Rough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Thanks. if you're, if you watched your lady die, and if your friends and family are like, dude, she's, she's deadsies. It's the 1800s, everybody is deadsies. Like, maybe don't wander a swamp looking for her. Yeah, maybe not. Just, just a thought. Maybe, maybe she, we don't. She, she's probably for real dead. Yeah, for realsies. Yeah. For realsies. For realsies. All right, I'm going to share one story from Weird Virginia. Yay! Oh, I should cite my source. That also came from Weird Virginia. Yes. This is the best fucking book. It really is. I will never I'm be I'm learning over so it. much. And what, what I also like is that there's DC stuff. Yeah. It, because I saw some Georgetown stuff, and I saw there's like two different octagon houses. One is in Virginia, and the other one is the octagon house we've talked about yeah. in DC. But yeah, I want to talk about Chessie. Chessie! Chessie, because we are a bunch of Nessies on this well, podcast, except for you. Some of us aren't Nessies. Some of you aren't. But... but some of us are Nessies. Mothmen who are very fond of the Nessies exactly. in our lives. And we are fond of the Mothmen. Yeah. All right. So Chessie is a Nessie-like creature. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I didn't see that coming. You didn't see that coming? No. That has been reported off the coast of Virginia for centuries. Wow. So this one is living in the Chesapeake Bay. Hence, Chessie. Chessie. I don't ah, get it. Ches- Chesapeake Bay. See. All right, the great thing about Chessie is that this is a very, like, recent sea monster. Oh, I was going to say, it's very hardy because it lives in the Chesapeake Bay. (laughs) Probably. Very, like, a very hardy stew. Um, (laughs) Chunky. Chunky. Um, So basically, reports of a large snake-like animal in the Chesapeake Bay have been reported since the late 1960s, -hmm. where during the 1960s, people were like, there's a giant snake in there. (laughs) And it's like... Well, maybe oh, not. interesting. Interesting. And I don't Something know why. Something called Tropicana 423. Yeah, I don't know why they have that accent in the 1960s. Operator, it's the 1960s. Hey, hey man. Bro. There's. Just free love, and there's a snake in there. That's my 60s voice. Yeah. I'm really working on it. Brother, all right. I was in better form with Operator. Operator. <laughs> in 1978, a retired CIA employee named Donald Kiker reported seeing four chessies. <gasps> Listen about, here, mister, you're not special because you see more Chessies. Right, but like, he said that he saw four Chessies about 75 yards offshore in the bay. He saw a mess of Chessies. And then his neighbors, yes, a, a mess of Chessies, <laughs> his neighbors who were named the Smoots, 
And it makes me wonder if they're part of Smoot's Lumber. They own that company. Huh. Okay. Because mm. it's a Virginia company. It is. Also said that they saw the creature. In 1980, <gasps> so we're, we're still... We're almost to the point where we're alive. No fewer than four different charter boats carrying 25 people each observed Chessie. All witnesses generally agree that the creature appeared to be 25 to 40 feet long, which is kind of a large discrepancy, but I guess if some of it's submerged underwater, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, you don't yeah. know how big it is. Um, a little less than a foot across, dark with no limbs, fins, or distinguishing details on its oval head. So unlike the Loch Ness Monster, which people imagine to have like big fins and yeah, kind of looks like a... like a dinosaur. Yeah. Like a diplodocus Ch- or Ch- yeah. a submerged plesiosaur. Yeah, Chessie is like straight up like a sea serpent. I know plesiosaurs aren't dinosaurs, don't at me. Yeah. <laughs> We, we know this. We, we know these things. A mysterious third roommate is a dino expert. She is. And, and she has drilled it into our heads. We know what dinosaurs are. <laughs> we sure do. Anyway, tell me more about um, Chessie, who is not a dinosaur. But then Chessie seemed to also get around, because Ooh. in March of 1980, a Richmond resident reported Ooh, Richmond. seeing it in the Appomattox River, oh. which is farther inland than previously reported. The woman had gone to the town of Hopewell for her <gasps> for dinner. Um, with her husband, have you been to Hopewell? Mm-hmm. And was at a restaurant beside the river, and in I a bet letter, it was a Waffle House. No, it was a Harbor Light restaurant. Oh, yeah. In a letter to a Richmond newspaper, she wrote, "I got out of my car, looked at the Appomattox River, and something caught my eye. We watched as it got nearer. It had a long, undulating body." Ooh. And she had not said anything previously because she was worried about being ridiculed. But I guess then she had heard that like people, people had seen, seen something it. like that in the Chesapeake Bay. I also would not have come forward for fear of being ridiculed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. She said that the creature was the most fascinating thing she ever saw. It had a dark snake-like body with a reptilian head that matched those from... the sightings from the bay. Oh. In 1982, an opportunity came to document these strange sightings. Around 7.30 p.m., Robert and Karen Frew saw one of the animals in a bay at Love Point near the mouth of the Chester River. Grabbing his video camera, because... It was the 80s. Oh my god, right? I hope like he popped in a fresh VHS test, tape. Yeah. He taped, uh, Mr. Fru taped the long, dark serpentine fr- form swimming just 100 feet away. The creature was seen cruising along towards a group of swimmers before diving beneath them and then reappearing on the other side of the swimmers. The two minutes of videotape clearly showed an animate object. Hmm. Then Michael Frizzle and the Enigma Project became involved in investigating and documenting reports of the Chesapeake Bay sightings of Chessie. Later in 1982, the Enigma Project was able to get the Fru videotape for an audience with George Zug and other scientists at the Smithsonian Institution's Museum of Natural History. Mm-hmm. After thoroughly examining the tape, the scientists were intrigued by what it apparently depicted, but they were unable to reach any conclusions about the animate objects shown. The videotape's quality was simply not good enough to allow such a determination. So... I mean, that makes I mean, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 80s VHS. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not going to show 80s shit. 80s VHS at, like, a distance, Yeah, right? so it's going to be like, yeah, I guess there's a thing in the water. Yeah. In 1994, 1995... <gasps> we were alive we then. Were, we were alive then. To confuse the picture, a male manatee had wandered oh. from... Managed to, like, get all the way up here from Florida. Damn, that's was a determined I- malatee. <laughs> malatee. <laughs> was identified as it traversed the waters of the Chesapeake Bay... And the authorities decided to name it Chessie. <laughs> yes, when you describe to me a reptilian head on a snaky body, I think, I think a manatee. Well, I think... A beautiful manatee. I think they decided to just name it, like, oh, it's from the Chesapeake Bay, we're going to name it Chessie, not Ew. thinking, like, Chessie's at that point. Thing. Like, in 1994 and 1995, the, the new Chessie 
you know, showed up, but, like, the Chessy Chessy hadn't shown up since, like, 1982, oh. so maybe it just, like, kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, they didn't have the internet to check to see if Chessy had been taken. Yeah. Oh, is Chessy already taken? And they How couldn't Chessy underscore one? <laughs> what if we just name it Manatee McManatee Face? Because <laughs> they didn't have the internet. They, they weren't there yet. <laughs> um, their sense of humor has not matched ours. Bodie McBoatface! Basically, the manatee afterwards was outfitted with a tracking device, and then they watched its seasonal movements into the northern waters, and at that point point then like there weren't very many people talking about chessy chessy anymore oh they're just talking yeah about they're that. just like talking about yeah. you hear about that manatee we're so basically in the 90s and we're yeah so basically at this point there haven't been really any very many reports about mm. sightings of a long serpent like creature oh and so i wonder if the they it could be that the chessy cryptid sightings could be just out of place like Maybe not necessarily, like, one manatee, but several manatees swimming together and, like, bobbing up and down from a distance, and Mm. they're like, what is this undulating thing? It's really just several manatees. manatees. Yeah, because the book puts it that a manatee, which is a gentle aquatic animal, 8 (laughs) to 14 feet long, looks more like an overweight seal and not a thin (gasps) serpentine creature. Let's not body shame manatees. But I think to its point is, like, a manatee is very large. It's blobby, right? it's not even blobby. It's more just like it's just thick, right? It looks like a giant surf, like a very thick surfboard. It sure does. A giant potato in the water. Oh, it's, God, that's the name of my autobiography. Potato in the water. Potato in the water. And they're really cute, right? And, yeah. But they don't move in like a serpentine quality, right? Yeah. The way you'd think like of a giant eel. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, if it might be like one of those actual, you know, the big under... Sea, sea serpents yeah. maybe came up. I was thinking serpent. it might be a sturgeon because, yeah. you know, we get those we and get they those can get here. long. Yeah, and it's just really interesting to me that, like, which which folk tales or, like, which cryptids, which, like, urban legends mm-hmm. are recorded more often than others. And, like, this one, like, the 60s to the early 80s, you know, they had reports of Chessie in Virginia, but, yeah. like, now... That's, like, not really a thing anymore. Yeah. I feel like it would be a really good marketing campaign, though. Yeah. To be, like, come explore the Chesapeake Bay. With you do a little viral marketing stunt where it's, like, some people are, like, or Instagramming, boomeranging themselves, and as they, like, backflip into the river, you see, like, this reptile head just go yeah. bloop. bloop. Or even if they didn't do that, if they just make, like, a really cute mascot. Because, you know, like, in Japan, they have mascots for everything. If America was more like Japan and we had mascots for everything, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation could have, like, made Chessie the mascot, you know? We could have also... We missed an opportunity here, Chesapeake Bay Foundation. We could also do what Loch Ness does, which is every April Fool's Day, they post a new video of the Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) And it's always, like, a little stuffed animal Loch Ness Monster going, like, bloop into frame, and just then they just, like, make it walk across. Yeah, that would be, like, really cool if, you know, they would do something with Chessie just to, like, keep Chessie's memory alive. (laughs) But I also kind of like the name Chessie, and I don't blame, I don't fault them at all, the 90s people, for naming the manatee Chessie. I think that's a really cute name. Yeah. Also, I will say, right now, there's... There's some scientists claiming that Nessie is actually just an eel because they found a lot of eel DNA in Loch Ness. And it's like, let Nessie live. (laughs) You know, like, just let her be. Nessie is cute. Yeah. Leave all our Nessies alone. (laughs) Like, just let Nessie not be an eel. Yeah. Like, DNA testing the water isn't going to figure out what's in there. Yeah. Just let us have this one. (laughs) I mean, we're taking, we're losing literally everything else. Just let us have the Loch Ness Monster. Please. Please. And we're surrounded by them, as we we have learned from our board. We are a mess of Nessies. That's just a mess of Nessies. 
Oh, speaking of being a mess of Nessies, we're on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Spoop Hour in both places. And you can send us your stories, spoophour at gmail.com. I'm just now realizing we, we didn't did do that at the top of the episode. episode. That's okay. Whoopsie. Whoopsie doopsie. So, yeah, send us your stories. Yes. Um, take My that. mom sent a defense. I forgot to bring this up. My mom sent a defense of the maraschino cherries oh, wow. that I brought up on our mini-sode a couple weeks ago. Basically, my mom was like, yes, I did fall prey to, she genuinely believed that maraschino cherries had formaldehyde in them, uh, which was a common urban legend, but also she was like, also, I think maraschino cherries are gross, and it was in my mom's fridge, which means it was probably 60 years old. I am <laughs> siding with your mother on this. Maraschino cherries are not great. What? Just, fresh cherries are better. They're good in different ways, Sasha. I've never met a maraschino cherry that I like. I've never met a maraschino cherry I didn't want to eat, like, seven of, so. The flavor is just kind of weird. The flavor is incredible. It doesn't taste like real cherries, but it tastes yeah, great. Yeah, I think that's why I don't like it, is because it doesn't taste like real cherries. I mean, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Not everything has to taste like real cherries, you know? But if I don't want a real cherry, I'll go get, like, a cherry Laffy Taffy. Or like, Ew, really? Or, like, cherry candy, you know, like, cherry Jelly Bellies or something like that. You just listed the two grossest cherry candies. Cherry I can't trust Jolly you Ranchers. Not better. Cherry, like, the cherry Twizzlers, not the strawberry ones, the cherry pull and peel ones. Okay, those are They're fun. okay, but they taste a little waxy. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Well, we're waxing on about candy, so that means it's time for the episode to end. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Send us your story. Send us your shit. See you next week. Yeah. We will keep you posted about Patreon and the thing we're going to do. And we're doing it. Stay spoopy, folks. Hey, this is Clay. This is Corey. And we are the Two Dads Review Podcast. Uh, What do we talk about, Corey? Movies? Yes. Uh, TV shows? Yes. And we're dads? Are those all questions? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, find all that and more over at twodadsreview.com and your favorite podcast app. So night after night, he would go into the Great Dismal Swamp. Sorry, I have to burn. Burp. I have to burn. I'm on fire. <coughs> Shorty fire burning on the dance floor. Did you know that birthday cake is slang for vagina? I know that because of that song. I don't remember how it came up, but I ended up on a website with... Oh, I do, actually, because I wrote a paper on the C word. And I was reading, like, why the C word is as profane as it is. And I came up on a website that was just, like, a laundry list of slang for vagina. And one of them was birthday cake. And I told my roommates at the time, and they were like... Oh, that's why he says in Shorty Fire Burning on the Dance Floor, he's like, she keep it popping at me like that birthday cake. It's her vagina. Ah. I'm realizing now that this is all going at the end of the episode. You're welcome. I'm a fountain of useless information. <laughs>